Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin. study in Matthew. And so last week we looked at the passage here in chapter 21 where Jesus went into the temple and uh, he cleansed the temple because they had turned it into a place of merchandise a place where they were taking advantage of people who had come to celebrate the Passover and they were charging a premium for the sheep and the goats and the doves and also to exchange money. They were doing that also at a premium. They were really taking advantage of the poor pilgrims who were coming from all over Israel to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. And of course, Jesus went in And he overturned the tables and he drove them out. And he said, my house is to be called the house of prayer. But you have made it a den of thieves. And he got to this exchange with the religious leaders and then eventually he he left. Well, this passage that we're looking at today, Jesus returns to the temple. 
And so let's begin at verse 18 in chapter 21. Now in the morning, as he returned to the city, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it but leaves, and said to it, Let no fruit grow on you ever again. Immediately the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How did the fig tree wither away so soon? So Jesus answered and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. Now when he came into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people confronted him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? But Jesus answered and said to them, I also will ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, where was it from? From heaven or from men? And they reasoned among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Why then did you not believe him? But if we say from men, we fear the multitude, for all count John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus and said, We do not know. And he said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. But what do you think? A man had two sons. And he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward he regretted it and went. Then he came to the second and said, Likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said to him, The first. Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that tax collectors and harlots Enter the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But tax collectors and harlots believed him. And when you saw it, you did not afterward relent and believe him. Here another parable. There was a certain landowner who planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a tower. And he leased it to the vine dressers and went into a far country. Now when vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the vine dressers that they might receive its fruit. And the vine dressers took his servants, beat one, killed one, and stoned another. Again he sent other servants more than the first, and they did likewise to them. Then last of all he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the vine dressers saw the son, they said among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. So they took him and cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of that vineyard comes, what will he do to those vine dressers? They said to him, He will destroy those wicked men miserably and lease his vineyard to other vine dressers who will render to him the fruits in their seasons. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and the Lord's doing, 
and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. And whoever falls on this stone will be broken, but on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. Now when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they perceived that he was speaking of them. But when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitudes because they took him for a prophet. Father in heaven, as we study your holy word, as we study the teachings of the Lord Jesus, we pray that you be our teacher through God the Holy Spirit. Illuminate our understanding, enabling us to apply your truth in our everyday lives. Touch our hearts as only you can. And we thank you and we praise you through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. The Lord Jesus is the greatest teacher to ever walk the face of the earth. Now we've all had wonderful teachers, I'm sure, in school, and college, and various occupations, etc. Humanly speaking, the two people who taught me the most were my mother and father. And of course, the Lord Jesus is the ultimate teacher. Amen. And we study God's word, and as we've done here, Jesus was quite the teacher and quite the storyteller. And he could just, you know, weave those stories and, and teach these significant truths. Well, we see Jesus entering the city, it says here, and he, he comes to this fig tree. And this fig tree is filled with leaves. And these particular fig trees there in Israel, it's my understanding that they would sprout leaves and then they would sprout figs. And he reaches up and there's, there are no figs on this tree. But in the scripture, if you study the scripture, you understand that the fig tree symbolizes Israel. Now let that sink in for just a while, okay? I mentioned earlier that Jesus had come to the temple. The fig tree had all these leaves and gave the appearance that it was a very fruitful tree. You see the picture? The temple was beautiful and gave the appearance that there were tremendous spiritual fruit being born there at the temple. But when Jesus came to the temple, what did he find? No longer was it a house of prayer. It had become a den of thieves. You see the picture? But Jesus goes on and he then curses the victory. Say that's rather harsh. Remember that he is the Lord of all the earth. And not just of the earth, he's Lord of both heaven and earth and of all creation. 
but he's teaching something, a significant truth to the disciples. And he speaks of the coming judgment on that particular generation. And why? Because that generation rejected their king. Here he was, the promised son of David, and during the triumphal entry, they worshipped him, Hosanna, save us. They were praising him. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But the religious leaders, the leaders of the city, rejected him. And we know that at the end of the week, Israel rejected her king, taking him, beating him, and having him crucified. That generation suffered as a result. And in 70 AD, and we've mentioned it many times, as they were walking through the temple structure and the, the disciples pointing attention to the beautiful stones and the marvelous beauty of the temple. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth, not one stone will be left upon another. And in 70 AD, the Romans destroyed Jerusalem and tore down the temple, leaving not one stone upon another. But Jesus went on to to teach the disciples the power of faith. The power of faith in God and what God can do with one person who is willing to believe. One person who is willing to believe. God can do tremendous things through that one light. Are you willing to be that one? Unbelief results in judgment. But those who receive Jesus will be blessed by God's grace and by God's power. Now, Jesus goes into the temple and he's teaching in the temple. And there in the temple, he's challenged by the religious leaders. Their question, by what authority? By what authority do you do these things? And what were those things that they're talking about? Well, the triumphal entry. The turning over of the tables and the driving out of the people. His preaching, his teaching, the healing, and the receiving of praise. You'll recall that the children began praising him in the temple. And they became angry. That is, the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, became angry. They said, are you hearing what they're saying? And do you remember his response? He quotes the psalm. Out of the mouth of infants, babes, and sucklings, thou hast ordained praise. They were praising the Messiah. And so these religious leaders want to know by what authority, by what authority he allows all this to take place. And he responds, but it's so wonderful about Jesus. Of course, he's wonderful in every way. But he's always in control. You notice that? He is always in control. And it was common in those days, and among certain groups it's, it's common, to answer a question with a question. 
a matter of fact, there's a, there's a form of teaching in education called the Socratic method. The idea of asking questions or answering questions with other questions with the goal of requiring people to use higher order thinking, more critical thinking skills. But Jesus here is in control and he says, well, I'll answer your question, but first answer me this question. The baptism of John was it from heaven, that is, was it ordained by God or was it something that, you know, he came up with on his own? From men. And what do you see? How do they respond? Well, they go off in a corner and they're discussing among themselves. Well, if we say that it's, you know, from heaven, from God, <laughs> then he's going to say, well, why didn't you believe? But if we say from men, well, you know, the, cat, the, the, the multitude, the people believe John to be a prophet. And they're, they're going to be upset with us because they were cowards. Cowards and dishonest. We don't know. We can't tell. I dare say there are many Christians who act very cowardly in their lives. They would rather hide the fact that they're a Christian than to come out and and share that they're a Christian. You don't, you don't have to be obnoxious as a Christian, but you can stand up for what is right. And you can say, no, I, I would rather not be a part of that, for that would be dishonoring to my Lord. Not in a self-righteous kind of way, but in a righteous way, in honoring the Lord. But these guys were cowards, and they were dishonest. And they were not qualified to be spiritual leaders. As a matter of fact, their dishonesty disqualifies them. So they refuse to acknowledge the truth, and they just outright lie. That's what they did. But notice Jesus. He's in control. What does he say? He says, well, you're not going to answer the question. I won't answer yours either. <laughs> he's in control. And you need to understand this. Just because somebody asks you a question doesn't mean you have to answer. That's why we have the Fifth Amendment, you know, as a part of our rights. You don't have to answer. And our government, and many in Congress, have inverted some things. <laughs> Especially someone going to court. Because it is the court's responsibility to prove guilt, not innocence. Because the individual who goes to court is assumed to be innocent until proven guilty. Yeah. We like that when it's us or someone that we support. But when it's someone that we don't support or don't care for, then it's okay that they have to prove their innocence. No. The court is supposed to prove 
guilt if they are in fact guilt, but they are to be viewed as innocent until proven guilt. But we have this beautiful Fifth Amendment. We don't have to speak. And why is that there? Because unwittingly, oftentimes people will convict themselves by not speaking wisely. You say something, and the other side, that lawyer, can take what you've said and can twist it and make you appear to be guilty, even though you may in fact be innocent. That is why that's there. The Lord Jesus uses parables to teach significant truths. He says, a man had two sons, and he, he came to the first one, and he said, I need you to go work in the vineyard. And the boy said, no, I don't, I don't want to go. But he repented. That's what it means. To repent is to change one's mind. To change one's heart attitude. And it, it, it doesn't stop right there. It, it impacts the life. Where I was moving in this direction, because of this decision to change my mind, I now turn and I move in this direction. So what does he do? He goes and he works. Then he came to the second one. He was like those religious leaders. He said, oh, uh, I'll go. Well, of course I'll go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And the lazy bug never showed up. <laughs> Dishonesty. When the truth is revealed, the religious leaders believed in themselves, but were spiritually blind. Yet Jesus said the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the harlots, and all the other sinners repented and were saved. Now imagine, imagine these religious leaders, they're standing there hearing this. Jesus is talking to them. It's like smacking them in the head. Wake up. The idea that, that these people that they considered unclean, sinful sinners, man, the worst of the lot. Jesus says, these are the ones who are going to heaven. These are the ones who are being saved. And you, standing here in all your fancy attire, with all of your fancy language, guess where you're headed? Oh, that was a shocker. But he doesn't stop there. He, he continues. The tragedy of rejection. And he gives this parable of the, of the landowner. Now, who is the landowner? God the Father. God the Father is the landowner. And the vineyard is Israel. He owns it. And he, he loves it. And he cares for it. He, he puts a hedge around it. He protects it. He provides everything that it needs to flourish and to be fruitful. The vine dressers are these leaders, both, both the religious and the political leaders, the kings and the others. 
and the servants. Those are the prophets. But what did Israel do with her prophets? With the prophets of the Lord? If you've studied the Old Testament, you know what they did to the prophets. They beat them. They beat them. They disrespected them and killed them. I was sharing Wednesday that, it, and it's rare, this is, this is a, a rare occurrence. I was over at the VA having my ears checked, and uh, not because Cheryl said I couldn't hear well, <laughs> but I had to go over there, you know, for my, my uh, VA <laughs> checkup. And the, uh, the ear doctor was a, a Jewish man. And we began to, to speak. And uh, so as we, as we were talking, well, he got all animated, and, and we were talking you know, about the, the Bible and stuff. And uh, he said, do you know why? Do you know why the Jewish people have suffered the way they have suffered? Because they turned from God. It's the first time interacting, and I've interacted with many Jewish folks, but the first time who, that I interacted with one who was willing to come out and say that. He said, oh, and unless we turn, unless we turn to the Lord, we struggle. And he's correct. And he's correct not just for the Jewish people, but for all people. For all people. The vine dressers, they treated the prophets with disrespect. They beat them. They refused to listen to their message. And they oftentimes they would they would call the prophets when they were getting ready to go to war. And they would they would ask them. Well, the false prophets would always give this positive message. But the real prophets would pray. And by God's Spirit, He would give them the Word, and then they would share that truth, whether it was positive or negative. And because the kings, or the other rulers, leaders, disagreed, they'd slap them around, throw them into, into the dungeon, even though what they had preached was the truth. And notice what he says, but then the landowner, God the Father, says, I'll send my son. They'll have respect for him. And what did they do? They rejected him. Jesus was crucified outside of the city. They threw him out of Jerusalem. And he was crucified outside of the city. Yet he quotes he quotes Psalm 118, verses 22 through 23. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Jesus is the cornerstone, the foundation stone of all of life and of the church. And then he teaches of blessing and of judgment. He asks these people, these religious leaders, he says, 
what will the landowner do? And notice, out of their own mouths, they pronounce judgment, don't they? Out of their own mouths, they know enough to know that the way the people treated these prophets and treated the landowner and his son was worthy of judgment. They say, he will come and he will destroy them. And again, that generation was destroyed by the Romans. 70 A.D. And we learned that in Roman history. And you've probably heard people say, well, the only place, you know, the only writing that talks about Jesus is, is the Bible. That is not correct. The historical records of the Romans and the Jews themselves all speak about this one, Christos. Jesu Christos, Jesus the Christ. It's in the writings. His life, his death, and talk of his resurrection. And these people, they refer to them as people of the way. The way. Jesus spoke of himself. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes into the Father but by me or through me. That is, through the Lord Jesus Christ. But he spoke of blessing and of judgment. One day the kingdom was taken from Israel. That generation. But the Bible also teaches that one day the kingdom will return to Israel. And Jesus uses the term here, and in the Greek it's ethne, which is a singular the form. We, the English word is ethnic. But it's used with respect to nation or generation. And over in the book of Hebrews and also in the book of uh, Romans, and uh, Peter, Peter's writings, the church is referred to as a, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You see, they, they said he's going to destroy those who did not produce fruit and destroy the prophets in the sun or the, those who worked and give it to another people. Today, the church throughout the world that is made up of both Gentiles and Jews, we refer to them as Messianic Christians, are the custodians. And we are working in God's vineyard, which is the entire earth. All nations. And we are to be producing fruit and we're not just talking about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, and all of that, but we are to be sharing the gospel message with lost people, and we are to be growing in numbers. That is, the universal church of the Lord is to be growing, and it is growing. More and more and more people every day are coming to know Jesus as their Savior. The future of Israel is very bright. However, and as we bring this to a close here, 
I heard this past week that in Israel there is a, a political group that is doing everything they can to undermine Benjamin Netanyahu. And they've introduced legislation to make it a crime, to make it illegal for anyone to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ in Israel. Which Benjamin Netanyahu is against. He's against this, this legislation. As are many of the people in Israel because they've lived for all these decades peacefully with the Jews and the Christians as well as the Arabs. And, and you need to understand that not all Arabs are Muslim. It might be confusing to you, but some Arabs are Christian. But there are Christian Arabs. And there are even Jewish Arabs. People who are Arab, but they're Jewish. And then there are Jewish Jews, of course, and then there are Jewish Christians. <laughs> and so they all live together relatively peacefully. Unless they're Palestinian, then that's, then that's a different, okay? But there are some Palestinians who are Christian. But then that would be another two hours to, to explain all of that. But the point here is, in this day and age in which we live, there is a movement against the church. Spiritual warfare. But Christians are to willingly enter into that battle and proclaim the truth. So what do we learn from this passage? The Lord is actively engaged in teaching his people. When you, when you participate in Sunday school, and those of you who teach in Sunday school, the Lord is speaking through you to us who are a part of that class. You need to understand that. That when you, when you teach, God is, is speaking through you to us, and vice versa. And when you share the gospel of Christ with, with the lost person, God is speaking through you to them. He is reaching out to them through your life. You matter in the kingdom of God. And God is teaching. Jesus is teaching them through you. And so we are to be actively engaged in learning what the Lord is teaching and saying in his word. Whatever we teach and whatever we share, whatever we say needs to be consistent with what God's Word says. Because if it's not, then it's not from Him. You need to understand that. What we share needs to be consistent with God's Word. And God the Holy Spirit is the one who enables us to do that. We're to pursue and share the Lord's truth. Now notice, it's the Lord's truth, not our own truth, unless your truth is one with God's truth. Amen? In that Sunday school lesson, the, the idea of being one with Christ and the Father, that's made possible through God the Holy Spirit. We are one in His family. 
And the truth that we are to share is the Lord's truth. Now, does that mean that everyone's going to accept it? No. But some <coughs> God is aware of everything that goes on in the world and in everyone's life. We can't hide anything from God. God knows our hearts. He knows everything. And lastly, the judgment is coming. You know, people like to talk about Jesus being the, the loving, tender, gentle, forgiving, accepting Savior. And of course, he is all of those things and, and, and so much more. But he's also the coming judge. And his judgment is just. Now, as we get ready to sing this, this invitation, the Christian cries out for mercy, not justice. Some of you may wonder, what? What, 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 what do you mean by that? You see, if I cried out for justice, well, I'd be in hell today. Because that's really where I deserve to be. The Bible is very clear. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. And that death that, that the Bible speaks of is eternal, eternal damnation in hell. The judgment is coming. It's coming. But Jesus says, but those who humble themselves, who are broken and fall upon the stone, the rock of ages, we sing that day. Those who, who humbly fall upon him, who are broken and acknowledge their sinfulness and their need of the Savior, they will find salvation in him because he loves them. But those who reject him, that stone will come one day and will grind them to powder. His words. Not mine. He's speaking out of the judgment. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, the Bible already says that you stand condemned. Or in other words, wherever you go, the wrath of God is hovering over you. And if you lose your life in that moment without accepting Christ as Savior, guess what? You are destined for hell. But if you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, you're saved. It doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect or that you're never going to sin again. And there are people out there that teach that, sinless perfection. No, the only perfect one is Jesus. However, we should be, you know, growing and becoming more and more like our heavenly Savior. But don't leave here today. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, don't leave here today without accepting Him as your Savior. So let's stand. We're going to sing softly and tenderly. Jesus is called.
for you and for me to step out walk down that aisle and say I want to give my heart my life to Jesus and if you're making a decision to join the church you come don't wait till we've sung the old song you come as soon as we begin and let's begin pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word. And we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.